Good evening, dummies. Episode 175, Wednesday, June 23rd, 7.23 p.m. It's wonderful to have you here for tonight's show. I just got done signing a petition from fightforschools.com. Head on over there. Loudoun County, as you may have seen on the news, is going through a ton of issues. This state, which was the don't tread on me state, seems to be the tread on me and then do it again, please, sir. It is now a blue state. No longer purple nor red. It is blue. And it's reminding me of California. I can't seem to escape the plague. I left and fled California, went to Houston, had it just about as good as I could. Well, now Houston is having murders all over the place. It's not doing very well. And now I'm in Virginia and it's not doing very well either. The Loudoun County School District is by far one of the worst school districts I've ever been a part of. There is corruption. It is not good. Freedom of speech is not necessarily important to the board. They are being recalled, and there is a petition going around. If you haven't had a chance to see it, please do. I played the video in my live little excerpt a few minutes ago. I will be doing a special episode on it, and I'm going to try to have the founder of fightforschools.org, excuse me, .com here and uh, talk a little bit about critical race theory, white fragility, toxic masculinity, all the things, the the pronoun game and all this other stuff that they're bringing into our schools and it needs to stop. So stay tuned for that. Tonight's going to be a good show. Nonetheless, I want to make sure I'm prepared for the latter. So I'll probably wrap up Friday with the Loudoun County School Board. If you want to go see it, it's fightforschools.com. Take a look and I promise you it's coming to a town near you. You know it is. I know it is. And we should get ahead of it as fast as we possibly can. HR1, a new type of pandemic? No, it's not the H1N1. It is the For the People Act. You know, this is the thing that they have been touting around as election reform when it's hardly anything like that. I'm going to go over tonight why it is literally the worst bill that the liberals have put forward in such a long time. And I honestly would lean a little bit more to John Lewis's bill of election reform, which was co-sponsored by a Republican. And that's a Democrat. But I say Joe Lewis, John Lewis, I think is his name. Thank you. He beat Joe Lewis's ass. Rocky Marciano. Okay, whatever. We're not going to do that. Anyway, the point is HR1, a new type of pandemic. We're going to talk a little bit about the For the People Act, why it is a bunk bill. And I'm not going to focus on the things that everyone else is. I am going to focus on the censorship of political speech. That, to me, is more terrifying than anything else. Buffy the Colorful Metaphor Slayer. This should be fun. Buffy the Colorful Metal Force Slayer is a cheerleader who got kicked off the team or didn't make the team, something to that effect. You and I are going to learn together tonight. But she dropped a few F-bombs. Well, when she did, the Supreme Court had to rule on her case, and it is an interesting one. I'm conflicted. I'm going to talk about that with you tonight. A little bit of freedom of speech is here in the show this evening. Life is like a box of chocolate, and Joy Behar has eaten all of them. Well, that wasn't very nice of me, but I don't care. Joe Behar is a horrible human being. However, she made a comment about a homosexual man who came out in the NFL, one of the first to ever have done so. And I am here to defend her comment and then absolutely obliterate her in spades for everything else she's done. You'll understand when we do it together. But either way... This is Don't Unfriend Me, and let's get into what we always do, which is a little bit of a joke. A math teacher welcomed a new French exchange student into her class and then started teaching lessons on fractions. The French exchange student raised his hand and said, Excuse me, madame, but I don't know how to say fractions. How do you say those? Easy, said the teacher. You just say the top number, and then the bottom number is read as an ordinal number. For example, 
2 slash 3 is 2 thirds, 3 slash 4 is 3 fourths, and 2 slash 5 is 2 fifths. Thanks, I understand, said the exchange student. Good, said the teacher, and then asked the student, so how do you say 4 slash 8? Should I reduce, asked the boy. That would be best, said the teacher. And then the boy says, one second. And she goes, that's okay, take as long as you need, said the teacher. from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Funny, funny, haha jokes. Sorry about the French accent there. That was pretty rough. One second. Come on. All right. Anyway, whatever. Folks, welcome again. Who am I? My name is Matthew Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. That doesn't pop up right there. It pops up over here. See, I could have tried to do the Vanna White thing. Whatever. You see it. I'll get it in post. What do we do? Well, we talk about politics, current events, sports, just about everything. Uh, why the hell should you listen to me? Well, there's really no reason. It, it There's plenty of shows out there. I will tell you that mine's a little bit different. Um, I'm pretty honest. I tend to... Um, listen to both sides and come up with my own thoughts. But occasionally I uh, try to stir the pot a little bit. I want people thinking. I want people to challenge their own thought. And whether you're Republican, Democrat, or independent or anything in between, I am a conservative and I am on the liberal trope right now. You are in office. I rode President Trump fairly hard uh, in the last three months of his election. And I was hard on him on Facebook before I had my show. I was also hard on President Obama, and I try to do that. I give credit where credit's due, and then I take it away and slap you with it when it's not. But either way, you can love me, you can hate me, you can agree or disagree, just don't unfriend me. Where can you find me? Well, you can find me on all my social media sites, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Anchor, where my podcasts are. Please throw me a like, share, and subscribe. Go over to YouTube, if you could, and sign up there and follow. It means a great deal. Subscribe. You'll get to know when my shows come up. If you are not a social media fan, and there are a few of you, you can go to my website at don'tunfriendme.com. You can find my catalog here, my podcast, my videos, and everything else. Please stop by and say hello. Lastly, God? Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, if you would please right here, subscribe, like, follow, share. It helps. It keeps the lights on. I found out in order to grow, you need to share the post. And when people share it, it gets more and more viewers every single day. I love that. We're close to 21,000 now, and it's all because of you and your help. Let's dive into this. Let's get the show started. It is time. In January, House Democrats introduced their signature piece of legislation, the H.R. 1, properly, unproperly named, depending upon which uh, side of the aisle you're on, for the People Act. H.R. 1 is full of unconstitutional and unnecessary policies that liberals want to use to hijack America's election process. This bill is anything but for the people. Now, you may hear the same thing on the left. They said, our elections will never be fair again. Well, if our elections weren't fair, then why is Joe Biden the president? Shouldn't we give it to Trump? Whoops. The narrative doesn't work, does it? The only people who are saying the election wasn't fair are a bunch of people who said that there were Dominion servers and votes placed in. I, you know how I feel about this. Listen, I think 
It's politics. I truly believe that Donald Trump made some mistakes in his campaign, and and he could have done some things better when it came to curtailing the soccer moms, and he would have won the election. But it's neither here nor there. The point is, is there are some glaring opportunities with our election system, and HR1 doesn't address one of them. Free and fair elections are the bedrock of American government. They are fundamental to our way of life and give us confidence in our representative system. Or does it? House Democrats cloak H.R. 1 in the guise of transparency and fairness, but in reality, it is a partisan scheme. It's to squelch Republican candidates and conservative voices. Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell aptly coined this bill as the Democrat Politician Protection Act for its unprecedented attempt to seize control of elections through federal government power. If H.R. 1 were to become law, the consequence would be nothing short of catastrophic for our election system. So I want to look at the specific things in H.R. 1 and how it affects our country. I really want to dive into the things that people haven't said. So here they are. Number one, H.R. 1 forces taxpayers to finance politicians' campaigns. The bill contains two separate provisions that force taxpayers to fund politicians' campaigns. First, the My Voice voucher redistributes $25 in taxpayer dollars to each qualified individual to give to political campaigns in as little as $5 increments. The program is capped at $10 million in federal funds per participating state. A second provision allows any campaign that raises donations between the amounts of $1 and $200 to be able to match those donations with federal funding, dollar for dollar, up to 600%, i.e. a 6 to 1 match ratio. How does your 401k look? Is it better than that? I didn't think so. The matching contribution has a sliding scale cap based on previous election cycles, but no hard dollar amount cap. These two provisions force taxpayers to fund candidates they disagree with. Imagine an American watching television during an election cycle and seeing an advertisement for a politician who they oppose, knowing that their hard-earned tax dollars are funding that very advertisement. This is a gross abuse of taxpayer funds. I don't want to fund better work for anything. The guy is a provincial douchebag. Number two, H.R. 1 eliminates the ability of states to control their own elections. It essentially circumvents the 10th Amendment. And although it did not work out for Republicans this time, the 10th Amendment is single-handedly the most important amendment for the states. It reserves the power to the states. The bill contains several provisions that together amount to a hostile takeover of state-run elections. This bill would... would uh, this bill would force states to enact same-day voter registration, automatically register voters, and implement online voter registration, and allow voters to cast ballots outside of their precinct, keep ineligible voters on voter rolls and and perpetuity, perpetuity, and register voters without verifying eligibility, and allow people to vote without showing any identification. Now, a lot of people will argue and say, oh, no, 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 no. As long as they have voter registration, they don't have to show an ID. You idiot. You need freaking ID or a passport or military ID or something to that effect to actually get a voter registration card. It's the same thing. But because the way it's written, liberals defend it. Same-day registration does not give officials enough time to verify the truthfulness of the information provided. Automatically registering voters risks the registration of illegal immigrants and ineligible voters. 
Online voter registration makes it much easier for hackers and cyber criminals to commit massive voter registration fraud. Counting ballots outside of the assigned precincts increases the likelihood of improper vote observation and monitoring. Didn't we learn this from the last election? Preventing election officials from verifying voter eligibility disrupts the integrity of the election process. Allowing people to show up to the polls and vote without a state ID would completely destroy the effectiveness of the already existing state voter ID laws that are in place to prevent fraud from happening. Each of these provisions on its own provides known pathways for bad actors to commit election fraud and taken all together represent a breathtaking commandeering of our election systems in a way that eviscerates common sense protections against fraudulent voting. I'm all for ease of voting. I think you should have online registration. I think if you can make it work where you can verify and have a system like E-Verify or what they use actually in the airports to get through security, something that's instantaneous to verify a human being, fine. Make same-day registration, whatever it takes to make it as easy as possible. But you must ensure that they're American citizen. That's all I care about. I don't care how you vote. I just want to make sure that you have the right to vote. And so does everyone else. And this bill stops that. H.R. 1 undermines the First Amendment right to free speech. Most importantly, H.R. 1 goes completely off the rails and unconstitutionally increases government censorship over political campaigns activity, and speech. Using a very vague standard, the bill regulates any speech that is deemed threatening to a federal candidate or election official, forces groups to publicly identify donors, regulate speech about legislative issues, regulates online political speech, forces groups to file reports with the Federal Election Commission, and they sponsor political ads, imposes burdensome disclaimer requirements for issue ads, and much, much, much more. Even the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, a champion of the left-wing agenda, has come out against H.R. 1 for the bill's attack on freedom of speech. H.R. 1 operates under the guise of being for the people, but it actually helps politicians and campaign finance attorneys much more than public citizens. The bill discourages organizations and private citizens from speaking publicly and makes politicians less accountable to the people because civic groups and organizations would be forced to dedicate their resources towards legal and administrative costs instead of advocacy activities. H.R. 1 eviscerates the right of states to draw their own congressional district lines. The bill strips the power of state governments to regulate their own congressional district lines by forcing independent redistricting commissions on states. This requirement would take away the ability of voters to make their own choice about how congressional districts are drawn. It replaces elected representatives with unelected, unaccountable, redistricting bureaucrats. While nearly all Americans despise the process of gerrymandering, the remedy is not for the federal government to force a one-size-fits-all solution onto states and American voters. It's an ironic twist. This provision would kill off any independent commissions or similar bodies already chosen by voters in many states. Americans are keenly aware of the power inherent in the drawing of the congressional lines, and the Democrats' effort to ensure their power is used in a way they see fit is a blatant attempt to draw more districts that favor Democrats. Bad and counterproductive provisions of the bill include, and here they all are, and you can spin this any way you want. Democrats, come on. Liberals, bring it on. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me that this isn't 100% accurate because there are provisions in there that I'm not even really talking about. How about letting criminals vote with felonies? 
I could go on and on. That's just one. Explain to me why a felon should vote. I would love to hear this. This should be rich. The bill bans voter ID and makes it a crime for a state election official to reject someone's registration to vote. The bill considers having to show identification as an impediment to voting. The bill unbelievably requires states to register minors 16 and 17 years old. The bill mandates nationwide election day registration. No ID, no checking, no waiting. Simply your name and your address and you're in. H.R. 1 mandates mail-in balloting and allows ballot harvesting by third parties without verifying signatures of the voter, setting up a potentially disastrous chain of custody separation of a voter from a verified vote. The bill allows postmark ballots up to 10 days after the election. How did that work out last time? The bill requires all individuals, as opposed to citizens from state and federal databases, to be registered to vote. The databases include the DMV, where illegal immigrants commonly have, commonly have driver's license. The bill stymies the ability to cull through the registration list to determine ineligible voters. It allows drive-by voting and mandate drop boxes for federal elections. The bill strays from its stated purpose to establish a federal matching system for congressional and presidential elections to incentivize small-dollar donations. For every dollar raised, a candidate gets that six-to-one match that we talked about from taxpayer funds. There's more horrible stuff in the bill, including banning, calling the dead, and other ineligible voters from voter rolls, limiting the ability to fight this bill in court, and setting up the Commission to Protect Democratic Institutions, which would force judges to justify their decisions and a federal takeover of congressional redistricting. This is not what the people want. A Rasmussen poll shows that 75% of all likely voters support demanding some form of photo identification for voting including 60% of Democrats, 77% of independents, and 69% of black voters. A Caltech poll found that barely a majority of American registered voters, 58%, were confident about the administration of this fall's election, and that 39% lacked confidence. The remaining registered voters did not have an opinion. This low level of confidence about the election of our president is unacceptable. This bill does nothing to address this issue. In summary, although Democrats are promoting H.R. 1 as a bill that would strengthen our democracy and return political power to the people, it is actually an anti-democratic bill that would wreak havoc on our election system by manipulating election rules in favor of Democratic politicians. H.R. 1 is nothing but a left-wing power gram and is definitely not for America. Now, what you're going to hear is that Donald Trump is a fascist and that the Republicans are fascists. This bill, read it, it's fascism personified. It actually stops the ability for fair elections. The states run their elections. They decide. That did not work out for us in 2016, but I have no problem with the states deciding that they wanted to do mail-in ballots. Hopefully, they never do it again. With COVID gone, there really is no reason to. If you can't get off your fat ass and drive to a polling place, you don't deserve to vote anyway. And I really don't want your opinion. We have to start taking credibility back. We have to start documenting who votes and who doesn't. There's an estimated 21 million illegal immigrants in this country. And in most of the states that they have sanctuary cities, they have the ability to vote without ID. There's something wrong with that. There's something also incredibly wrong with gerrymandering. It needs to stop. But the answer is not to put it in the federal government's hands because the opposite will be true. 
The states, the cities, and the municipalities and the towns have a better understanding of their area than any federal government will. It will be bureaucratic. It will be red tape. It will be a fight of epic proportions to get it changed. And any decision that we have made with the lines will take generations to undo because it's the federal government and that's how long it takes. H.R. 1 is not the answer for America. There are better ones. There are good ones by Democrats. There are good ones by Republicans. And we need to sit down and talk about it as a people, not as a bunch of hacks trying to gain power over electoral process. Life is like a box of chocolate, and Joy Behar has eaten all of them. Joy Behar found herself in the hot waters of social justice on this morning's episode of The View after cracking a joke about NFL player Carl Nassib. Is it Nassib or Nassib? I don't know. Who cares? Who made headlines for being the first active professional football player to publicly come out as gay. Great. During a conversation about Nassib's, Nassib's, I'm going to call him Nassib, announcement, Behar tracked back her inappropriate joke. She didn't apologize. But this was not long after she said it, after the commercial break. Nasib released a video yesterday, June 21st, sharing his news in which he explained, I finally, at least I didn't say his truth. If it was a girl, it would have been her truth. I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. I just think representation and visibility are so important, he continued. I actually hope that one day videos like this and the whole coming out of the process are just not necessary. But until then... I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. After playing the clip, Behar asked her co-host, it's 2021, is this such a big deal? After hearing Anna Navarro's take, who argued it was about being seen and accepted, Behar delivered her joke. Anna, after they said penetration in the end zone, they lost me, she said, replying to Navarro, admitting she may even watch a football game every now and then. The View co-hosts react after Behar's horrible joke the view comment was met with an awkward laughter from her co-host with navarro even plugging her ears and the the right-wing conservative lgbtq hating megan mccain was visibly unamused and the only person to react with absolutely a stoic demeanor isn't that amazing that a republican who hates the lgbtq community seemed offended after hearing from Sonny Hostin and McCain about their thoughts on Nasib's video, uh, Behar issued a half-hearted apology for her joke. She says, I just long for the days when you can just be gay in the world and it doesn't become a big deal. Well, we've never had that day, Joy, and with comments like yours, we're not going to. She added with a wave of her hand, by the way, that inappropriate joke I made for daytime television, scratch it, make believe I never said it. Why? Why? Because honestly, Joy... It's the only funny thing you've said in a decade of TV. It's actually funny. Everyone's heard the, the joke. Wide receiver, go long. Every time we played football, as kids playing touch football, we would make the joke. Listen, do you think, honestly, that football players haven't heard jokes like this? I'm a tight end. Why can't we just make jokes? Honestly, I would have given her a round of applause if she just would have said, listen, guys, you know me. You know my politics. I support the community. It's a joke. Lighten up, America. You know what? Cancel culture is stupid. You guys, we are dumb. This needs to stop. I'm a comedian. I made a joke. 
But no, she didn't have the presence of mind to do that. She did what she shouldn't have done, which was give a half-ass apology because now you've pissed off both sides. I seriously doubt that this NFL receiver who has literally been through gay hazing and bashing and treated like a piece of crap simply because he is in love with other men, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, can handle Joy Behar's off-colored humor. But here's what people can't handle. And this is why she is a piece of shit. And I apologize. My mother raised me better than this uh, to not disparage women. But Joy Behar is not a woman. She is an alien from another planet. Here are just some of the things. Behar thinks Trump would start nuclear war to keep his stupid sons out of jail. She actually said that. She wasn't kidding. The View co-host didn't waste any time ringing in 2018 with this explosive rhetoric, implying that in early January that Trump could start a war to avoid sending his sons to prison. She said Trump needs to be medicated and hospitalized or he is just going to kill all of us before taking it a step further. My feeling is that probably they are getting closer to him in the Mueller investigation, and that's what this is about. A lot of it, he'll blow the world up so that his stupid sons don't have to go to jail. Behar comes under fire after questioning Christian faith. Behar lampooned Vice President Mike Pence's Christian faith in February, saying that hearing from Jesus is actually called mental illness. The comment upset Christian media watchdogs and even Disney investors. Behar eventually apologized after the Media Research Center launching a campaign to hold ABC News accountable for spewing anti-Christian bigotry. I sincerely apologize for what I said. Well, why didn't she just say, hey, just forget it? Let's just forget I said it. Let's move on. Way to go ahead and piss off literally like 83% of the United States, Joy. Only you can bring people together with their mutual hatred of your ass. The View co-host, Joy Behar, suggested that outgoing Senator Orrin Hatch should be locked up. There's this penchant for Nazis now. Behar went after the CPAC in February, claiming the conservative conference participants have a penchant for Nazis. The CPAC group invited this woman from France, whose grandfather was a Holocaust denier and total fascist and a Nazi, Behar said. There's this penchant for Nazis now among conservatives with Charlottesville and the Neos. And there are good guys on both sides. And now Marine Le Pen. Okay, listen, you fat cow. Trump never said that there were good people on both sides and directing it towards neo-Nazis. You stupid freaking idiot. I've shown this video on my show repeatedly over and over. You only played the first 15 seconds. After that, 15 more seconds, he goes on for 45 saying he wasn't talking about skinheads and Nazis and people who were Black Panthers. There were other people there on both sides, black and white, who were just there to oppose the statues and go ahead and for the statues. But you don't go ahead and quite play that. Every fact checker on the planet has proven this to be false, except for Joy Behar, which shows that she is incapable of admitting she's wrong. Behar says Kim Jong-un and Putin have more sanity than Trump. Why does this woman have a job? Why do I have 21,000 viewers? How many followers does she have? Somebody tell me so I can shoot myself in the face. Somebody let me know how many this crazy-ass cracker, how many followers she has. And I promise you I'm going to jump off my roof. For those liberals who hate me, this is the way to get, me to, to get my demise to happen. If I find out that Joy Behar has more than 20,000 viewers, 
I'm not going to be on tomorrow. I'm sorry. I quit. I give up. Behar caused an uproar on The View in April when she said President Trump is more hostile than North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un or Russian President Vladimir Putin. Well, I guess that makes Obama Stalin. What do you think? And Bill Clinton could be Lenin? If Donald Trump is hostile by having no conflicts or proxy wars anywhere in the world except a small confrontation in Syria, which was absolutely retaliatory and a proportionate response... You're crazy. At least he wasn't doing drone strikes, over 300 of them, and killing American citizens overseas. Whether they were terrorists or not, they're still American citizens. She says, we have gotten to a point in the world now where we have to rely on the sanity of Kim Jong-un and Putin over the president of the United States. Behar said when discussing tweets sent by Trump that threatened military action against Syria. That's where we're at, Behar said. Do you think Kim Jong-un is less moral than Trump? Behar checks herself after slip of the tongue. She says, I don't wish the president ill. Okay. Behar immediately backtracked in September after saying, God forbid, President Trump lives another 20 years. Unfortunately, the real power is in the presidency. Quote, he's the one who calls the shots, she said. This man will never apologize if he lives another 20 years. God forbid, not God forbid. Explain to me this. For someone who has really apologized out of both sides of their mouth and never truly taken accountability until they were lambasted by the social justice warriors and the left and the doggy dog world that we have here today. Can you ever admit you're wrong? Have you ever said you're wrong? Honestly, Trump and Joy Behar are a lot more alike than they are different. Their policies aren't the same, but they both are just a little too egotistical and unable to say they're wrong. Narcissism runs Extremely rampant in the the Trump and Behar family. Behar immediately checked herself and realized what she said as the reliably liberal crowd chuckled and she finished her thought. If he lives another 20 years, well, he could be like 105. You know, we've got him here, she said. He will never, ever backtrack. Behar acknowledged the gaffe once again. And when the show returned from a commercial break, And she further clarified her remarks about the 72-year-old president. The last segment, I don't wish the president ill. I really don't. I just want him out, Behar said. It's really about that. I do not. I didn't mean that. Good. Well said. Articulate. Was that on the teleprompter? White men are protecting probably guilty Brett Kavanaugh. Probably guilty. Just like she probably tells the truth. Behar said in September that then-Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh was probably guilty of unconfirmed decades-old sexual assault allegations and slammed old white men in the Senate Judiciary Committee with a person who could not recall what happened, when it happened, where it happened, or if it actually happened, and then found out that there was no sexual assault at all and Brett Kavanaugh did not touch her in any way, shape, or form, but made her feel uncomfortable. Right. These white men, old by the way, are not protecting women. Behar said of congressional Republicans who stand by Kavanaugh, they're protecting a man who is probably guilty. Well, thank God that we have uh, innocent until probably guilty. Thank God that's not the line. Kavanaugh was confirmed and is now a Supreme Court justice. Nana, nana, boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo. Behar says the first lady was in Slovenia doing nothing before coming to America. Oh, during a September appearance on CNN, Behar mocked the first lady, Melania Trump, saying, okay, she was a model. Now she's the first lady. I mean, come on. 
She is now enjoying the fruits of the American country, Behar said before commenting on the First Lady's parents. They're enjoying chain migration, which a lot of people in this country, unfortunately, are not enjoying because her husband wants to stop it. Well, if wants to stop it, which means it's still in effect. So therefore, wouldn't they be enjoying it, you freaking Nazi cow? Why shouldn't she go along with it, you know? She was in Slovenia doing nothing. I don't know what she was doing there. That's a whole other conversation. That woman has given more to charity than you ever have. In fact, we have looked at your contributions for charity. You hardly give a nickel to anybody. Maybe you could go ahead and do that. Give some money to maybe gay and lesbian charities that actually are against hate and against oppression and against discrimination based upon their sexual preferences. Since you care so little about it, maybe that would be a good job for you to do. Behar Trump calls Trump a psycho and an anarchist. Behar's rambling should be taken with a grain of salt. Everything she says should be taken with a grain of salt and the understanding that she is entrenched and will never escape her own delusions. She is, however, smart enough to understand shock value and how to use it to get attention for herself. We all do it. I use shock value. Whether I drop an F-bomb or I make a meme that isn't necessarily the most 100% accurate thing, but it's to create conversation and sometimes it's just a joke. It's just a joke, people, like she made today. That's the only thing I will defend her on is that we have become way too Nancy-fied in this country. I promise you this, that gay people have heard worse, and I know he can handle it. She basically rides the coattails of the people and names she criticizes. Her parasitic dependence on others to maintain her low-level celebrity status is not unheard of in the entertainment industry. Howard Stern has done it. Shock jocks across the country have done it. Rush Limbaugh have done it. Like I said, I've done it. But there have been others like her, but they are forgotten quickly. She, too, will be forgotten. She lacks the moral turpitude to admit when she is wrong, which is often. And she lambasts and ridicules others because she despises her own self more than anyone. She's hard on the eyes and ears. It is effortless to gaslight her into a tirade. But most importantly, nobody can change her mind about anything. She met her husband at a nudist colony. And he looks like he is about one step ahead of Joe Biden in the coherent presence department. By the way, she was only partially nude. Thank God. He was full nude. Holy God. I would love to see how often he carries her purse and she hushes him when he begins to speak or formulates any opinion whatsoever. But truly, I don't know Joey Behar. I only know what little I have witnessed of her character. She claims to be a comedian and someone should tell her that people laughing at you isn't the same thing as stand-up comedy. Buffy the Colorful Metaphor Slayer. Free speech victories often come on behalf of a motley crew of litigants, from animal sacrificers to neo-Nazis to, this week, foul-mouthed high school cheerleaders. The fact is that popular speech rarely needs protection. In the case of Brandy Levy, the cheerleader in Mahoney versus BL, she was denied the right to swear a blue streak after being rejected for the varsity squad at Mahoney Area High School in Mahoney City, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania? I was trying to see if it was Mahoney, and it is, and then I said Pennsylvania. Folks, I've been there many times. I surely know it's, it's not Pennsylvania. It's Pennsylvania. Sorry about that. Pennsylvania. The Supreme Court ruled Wednesday 8-1 in her favor, and while she remained silent, Levi or Levy, it's Levy, but it's probably Levi. Why can't people spell their names correctly? 
most likely had a fittingly spicy way of acknowledging her major win for her speech. In some respects, science was as much on the former high school student's side as the law. Studies have shown that swearing is not only a sign of intelligence most recently, and that's not just to make myself look good. There are many a study that say that people who use both binoculars are highly intelligent. To be able to mix the right type of articulation, to make it work, to make it flow, it does take a style. I don't think people who cuss all the time are any more intelligent than people who don't. But if you can pull it off and still sound smart and cuss, then that is a form of intelligence, is it not? Please at least tell me that I sound somewhat articulate and I can put two sentences together while I still drop a few F-bombs. It'll make me feel better. Tell me below. If you disagree, I don't care. I want to hear from you. It is a sign of intelligence as far as dealing with your emotions and helps alleviate pain. Cussing gets the frustration out. That's why I do it. But if so, Levy healed herself with a profane response after being told that she would not make the varsity cheerleading squad. She and a friend vented at the Cocoa Hut. What a fantastic place. I wonder what they sell there. Oh, it's a local convenience store on Snapchat with a photo showing them with middle fingers raised with the caption, can I say it, folks? Can I cuss? Okay. Fuck school, fuck softball, fuck cheer, and fuck everything. Wow. She sounds delightful. At least I haven't said fuck five times in a row. Fuckity fuck 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 fuck. Despite her later apology, the school suspended her from cheerleading for a year. Whoa, wait a second. From high schools to universities, educators have been claiming expanding authority to monitor and punish students for statements made out of school or on social media. Last month, the University of Oregon became the latest school to announce that it would be punishing students for statements made off campus. Well, that's okay because Oregon is freaking communist. We know this. In his majority opinion, Justin Stephen Breyer declared it might be tempting to dismiss BL's words as unworthy of the robust First Amendment protections discussed herein, but sometimes it's necessary to protect those superfluous in order to preserve the necessary. Breyer flips the narrative of school on having a need to protect students from disturbing or disruptive speech. Quote, the school itself has an interest in protecting a student's unpopular expression, especially when the expression takes place off of campus. America's public schools are the nurseries of democracy. Our representative democracy only works if we protect the marketplace of ideas. Well, then tell Loudoun County to stop censoring the fucking parents, will you? That protection must include the protection of unpopular ideas or popular ideas have less need for protection. Well, that's really nice and all, but... If you've been to any Loudoun County school meeting, you know censorship is most assuredly what's on the menu. However, the court leaves much on the field in terms of future cases, a move that may have put the interest in achieving near unanimous. Listen to me. You don't need to use words that nobody ever uses anymore just so you sound intelligent. Now, my vocabulary is extensive. You all have heard me talk, but you don't need to use words that nobody uses anymore. Why are we pulling from the 13th century here? I don't even think this is Latin. This might be Aramaic. This might be Camelot speak. Anyway, achieving almost unanimous clarity from the decision. Breyer states that we can, as a general matter, say little more than this. Taken together, these three features of much off-campus speech mean that the leeway the First Amendment grants to schools in light of their special characteristics is diminished. 
We leave our future cases to decide where, when, and how these features mean the speaker's off-campus location will make the critical difference. This case can, however, provide one example. Many of us hope for even a brighter line of protection, but this remains a great victory. One of the notable aspects of this case is the vote of Justice Sonia, Sonia Sotomayor when she was nominated. I was most concerned about her views on free speech given her vote on the Second Circuit to uphold punishment of a student for out-of-school comments in Doniger versus Nyhoff. Of course, for those seeking to portray the Supreme Court as, to use Joe Biden's words, out of whack, the court itself continued to disappoint critics this week with another major and nearly unanimous there you go, thank you, decision. And essentially all the decisions that they've had this year since they've taken over in 2021 have been virtually unanimous. The Supreme Court has never been so in line. From Second Amendment to free speech to stupid bills that have no right to be passed, the Supreme Court's doing a good job. I would rather see them completely unanimous than splitting decisions based on political beliefs because that's not their job. And it almost seems like the Supreme Court has woke the fuck up. The question is whether the three liberal justices voting with their colleagues will now necessitate a call for adding seven rather than just four new justices to guarantee a liberal majority. That is the problem with packing the courts. They tend to never be packed enough. Listen, I'm going to be a hypocrite here. There's a level of professionalism that is needed. What many to fail to understand is even as the Supreme Court moves to protect the students' right to say as they desire, free from retribution from the federal schools, the Supreme Court cannot and will not protect the same student from companies in the private sector searching her history and deciding not to hire the foul-mouthed girl over her actions. Freedom of speech does not protect you from the private sector. Freedom of speech prevents the public and federal sector from punishing you for your views. Here's where I'm a hypocrite. I have tattoos. I'm foul-mouthed. I talk about controversial things that could get me fired in the workplace. But what I don't do is show my tattoos at work. I wear a dress-down shirt. Now, in construction, I don't. But I used to. I would cover them up. I would shave. I would make sure that my vernacular was clean and I would not cuss. That I would use words that were indicative and representative of a professional I wouldn't talk about my personal politics in a corporate setting. I've worked for three Fortune 15 companies. I know when to stop. But the thing is, is then why do I do this show? Because I've realized that I'm 47 years old and I'm tired of towing the line in corporate worlds. I will never work for a massive corporation again. I will continue to work for Valor as long as they will have me and do the best job that I can and put as many hours as I can to succeed and make my owners as much money as humanly possible because all ships rise at high tide. But I will tell my children, you most assuredly will not get a tattoo under my roof until I tell you it's okay, as long as you're living under my roof. You will go to school. You will educate yourself. You will not use foul language in public. You can use it in the house as much as you want. You will not dye your hair pink. You will not get piercings on your fucking face. I don't care where else you get them. They will not be exposed or seen. And you will act accordingly and professional until you establish your own brand and people can see through the materialistic side of you, the visual side. And until they know that, and until they understand that you have a resume worth looking over, you will not detract from that in any way, shape, or form while under my roof. 
This young lady may have won in the highest court in the land, but she certainly lost on the ground floor where she lives. Her name is now associated with this tirade for the rest of her life. They will most assuredly do a search every time she applies for a job, and when they see that, it will stop her from getting a job, not because she's foul-mouthed, because most people have the ability to cuss and just don't do it at work, is the fact that when she didn't get her way, she was a spoiled little baby. And this is my meme that alluded to Ocasio-Cortez and Tlaib and Omar, is that not that they got trophies, the fact that this is what happens when you create a trophy generation. See, a listener came on and lambasted me for not telling the truth and calling me a liar. I didn't reply to him because, honestly, I don't have time for stupidity. This guy's very smart. I've seen some of his posts. He's super intelligent. He challenges Texas policy. He's very intelligent. He's very well-spoken. But I don't understand how somebody who could be so prolific can be so stupid at the same time. I don't know if Ocasio or Cortez got participation trophies. I don't know if Tlaib. I don't even know if they would allow him to have that over there. It's not that they got trophies. that they have that mentality. The end result that happens with entitling a generation that you can always win and be anything you want. And here's a ribbon for 14th place out of 15 people because, damn it, you're special. Creates entitlement. It creates temper tantrums when you don't get your way. Basically, what you're doing, because you don't like my meme, and you call me a troll on my page, but you're the one throwing the fit and trolling on my page. Just like most Democrats, whatever you accuse other people of, you do yourself. And the sad thing is, is you're not a Democrat. I think you're a libertarian, or at the very least, conservative. It's kind of shocking. I appreciate you trying to protect Ocasio-Cortez and Tlaib and Omar, but you are defending the indefensible. AOC is not a horrible human being. I have said it many a times. She at least is conviction and passion. Tlaib and Omar, on the other hand, are the antithesis of good people. They're anti-Semitic, and they have absolutely no reason to be in office, and they are filled with hate. So there is my ending reaction to your tirade on my post about me being a liar because I put up six, seven words on a meme with a picture, and all of a sudden your vagina got sand in it. Get some Kleenex. Wipe it off. And let's get back in the big game. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I love having you here. Hope you come back tomorrow for episode 176. It should be a fun one. Until then, let's talk about Veteran Crisis Hotline. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. Traumatic brain injury. PTS. Depression. Anxiety. All very real. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. It is way too many. They need your help. If you can't talk to them, Reach out to me. I'll make that phone call with you. If I got to get on a plane and help, I will. Whatever I can do, I will use every resource I can to help save a veteran's life. If that doesn't work and they want to do it on their own, go to my site at don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link. You'll be immediately connected to a Skype operator if you're on your computer or it'll dial on your phone directly and they will get you the help that they most desperately deserve. And if you are having problems, you don't have to be a veteran. You can call the VCL hotline and they will help you through whatever you need, and find you the right people to talk to. Folks, the Astros are number one in baseball. They're not stopping. I think they scored three runs in the first. A damn good team. Tomorrow I will see you again for a new show. Same bat time, same bat channel. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.